This happened to me about a year ago. I've only ever shared this story with a couple of people. However, I thought it couldn't hurt to share it here. Big, big disclaimer before going forward. Don't worry. I realize I'm a huge idiot in this situation and my choices could have put me in danger. However, I made it out alive and unharmed. And that's all that really matters. Even if I was too panicked to think properly and acted like a complete idiot. Also, before I forget to mention, I'm a 21 year old female. So it was around June 2019. I was doing a closing shift at the McDonald's I worked at in town. I live in England, originally from Scotland. We close up at 2 a.m. on weekdays and 3 a.m. on weekends. It had been a Saturday night shift, so I was finished and out the building by 3.15 roughly. When this happened, I was living about 10 to 15 minutes walk from my work in a flat that was mostly taken up by students. I didn't have money to spare to consistently get taxis and I had been walking home at night for the past year with no incidents, so of course, I didn't think anything differently of doing it again. The majority of my walk was fine and I was about 4 minutes away from my flat when I noticed a guy just standing near the corner that I had to turn to get home. I am weary when I see people but usually they're drunk or mind their own or just ask for directions or it's a homeless person as there's quite a lot in the city I live in but at this time at night they usually keep to themselves. This guy was dressed nice but casual, looked around mid-twenties, well-groomed, tan skin, and a really strong smelling aftershave. He was obviously a regular at a gym too because he had a muscular figure and didn't seem to be drunk by the look of things, but who knows. I tried to keep my distance but he approached me and started making really casual conversation, asking me what my name was complimenting my accent and asking where I was from. I stupidly engaged with him but gave him a fake name and made it clear I wasn't up for a chat. I should have been firm with my words but I'm way too introverted and shy to speak up. Even my boyfriend complains that I talk too quietly sometimes and I struggle to be direct with people. Throughout the whole conversation he was giving me an unsettling smile and would try to touch my arm or play with my hair, which I made it as clear as I possibly could that I did not approve of, not that he was listening. He would just say something along the lines of, but you're just so pretty. Not flattering at all when it's a man who won't take no for an answer. Anyways, this guy asked me for a hug and even though I refused him as politely as possible, he did it anyways. I froze up for a couple seconds before I moved away which thankfully he let me do. He was being extremely creepy at this point and tried feeling over my sides as he gave me a hug which gave me even more alarm bells ringing in my head. I told him I had to leave and as I was walking away I heard, I'll walk you home. Where do you live? Unfortunately I had nowhere else to go but home. Nobody else was around and it was too early in the morning. My roommate was also back at his own house as he went back home every weekend. I had a hold of my keys in my pocket and just hoped once I got to the building I could find a way in without this guy being able to invite himself in. I refused his walk home but he followed me anyways. 
walking about 8 to 10 feet away from me as I was speeding up at this point, but caught up as I crossed the road. I don't know why I decided to go the long way to get to my building, which was an extra 2 minutes or so, so not that long. As I was approaching the flat, I felt a horrible sinking feeling in my chest. The door to the building closes really slow at first, before slamming shut, so I knew if I walked in, he could potentially follow me inside, and that puts me at an even greater risk. By this point, he was begging me to let him inside. He said he was extremely thirsty and wanted some water, but I told him that my roommate was sleeping. A subtle way to deter him by showing that I wasn't alone, but that didn't seem to faze him. He was trying to be touchy and just kept pleading with me to let him inside, but I kept my ground and said no as best as possible. As he was talking to me, I managed to use the fob on the door to open it, just enough to carefully slide through. However, he was right by the door and I didn't want to make him upset, so I apologized and told him no once again. Luckily he had moved away from the door as someone wanted to get into the building. The guy asked if everything was okay when he saw me, but I stupidly said everything was fine. That did give me a chance to move away from the door and let it close once the guy walked through. I didn't even look back to the guy as I ran upstairs to my flat as fast as I could. I didn't get any sleep that night and from that moment on I made sure I always had money aside for a taxi. I think I walked home once more between June and October before I moved. Really scary stuff, and I'm glad I never saw him again after that. This all happened probably about a month ago, from Thursday to Monday. Night 1, Thursday. I just got enough of work and walked a bit to get to my car. It was 10.30pm, as I usually got off work pretty late at night. As I was unlocking it, a jeep turned the corner, saw me, and slammed on the brakes on the opposite side of the street. He started yelling something at me, and I was pretty scared so I didn't say anything back, and I got into my car right after that. I was watching the jeep in my rearview mirror, and he flipped a U-turn and sat behind my car for a few minutes. I didn't move my car, as I was scared he was going to follow me home. After a few minutes, he had driven away. I drove around taking random turns because I was freaked out. I texted my coworker and she had seen the jeep as well. I got into work the next morning. He was in the parking spot I was in, so we all laughed about how paranoid I was. Night 2, Friday. My coworker and I had just gotten off work again and it was possibly around 11pm. She decided to drive me to my car because parking on the street where my work is located sucks, so I had to park three streets away. We had just crossed the street and gotten into her car and the same jeep whips around the corner. I told her, huh, look who it is, and we had a laugh about it. Once I was in my car, I was driving down the street, her truck was just parked on. The jeep once again whipped around the same corner where us two girls were. I thought it was slightly strange, but chalked it up to being paranoid again, and I didn't think anything of it. Night 3, Monday. It was around 10.30pm, and us girls were still at work waiting for a few more clients to pick up their pets. 
I was just giving a woman her dog when the same Jeep parks in my work's parking lot. He had told me that he had been driving around the area for the past 45 minutes trying to find a parking spot. Again, the parking on the street my work is located at is atrocious, but nothing so bad that you would spend 45 minutes driving around looking for a spot. It takes about 10 at the most. I know, I've timed it. I had said, okay, you can just sit here, but my car's right there. I can move and you can take my spot, no big deal. He looked at me dead in the eyes and said, no, I wanna sit here. I got a pretty bad feeling. I went back inside and let the girls know that the guy was in our parking lot. They all thought it was pretty weird and creepy, especially because I had offered him the spot. He just turned his car completely off. He didn't have his phone on that we could see or any other light source. 11.30 rolls by and we see his car turn back on. He had just been sitting there for about an hour at that time of night. We found it pretty weird. After he finally left, we made sure we saw his jeep turn the corner and booked it to our cars. This may just be me being overdramatic, but I believe he had bad intentions for one of us girls. I've only seen that jeep twice since these incidents, and I'm constantly looking for it. This story happened to me about three years back when I used to work at a gas station very close to where I live. The event really creeped me out, so I can vividly picture everything that happened that day at work. I had went in for my shift about 6 p.m. that day. Our gas station was open 24-7, so some days I would end up working till about 1 in the morning. The first half of my shift was nothing out of the ordinary. They put me on the floor shift instead of working in the kitchen. So, I was mostly just cleaning up the store. Every now and then, we would get a lot of customers at a time, so I would have to cash them out and handle the register. But that was just a normal thing. After some time, I had stocked the cooler, cleaned up some dishes, and finished up some tasks. So overall, it was a very easy day. I can remember at the time of our first arriving, I was finishing up cleaning the kitchen. We normally closed the kitchen around 10.30 every night, but the person on the kitchen shift ended up doing a horrible job of cleaning up. My manager put me back there just to tidy things up and clean the machines. I was just about to take off my gloves when I saw an elderly woman with a book bag on enter the store. I normally don't stop what I'm doing to look at customers who come in, but there was something just really off about her. She was walking with this very awkward limp, and her hood was up. That alone would raise concerns, but for the first 20 seconds that she was in the store, her head was facing directly towards the ground. She made a loop around the one part of the store, and then went up to the counter. She looked up at my manager, and in almost a whisper goes, Can I use your telephone, please? After this, I thought maybe she was just homeless and was calling someone for a ride, so I shrugged it off. I made myself a flatbread sandwich before closing up, so I went behind the counter to eat it before I got back to work. Every now and again, I caught myself looking up at her on the phone, and I realized she had her back turned to both of us and was speaking quietly. The creepiest part was that she kept looking back at me. She would talk on the phone inaudibly, then whip her head back 
stare at me for like three seconds, then turn around and go back to talking. This made me super uncomfortable. After she got finished using the phone, she went behind the counter of the store and just sat down. This is the first time I've ever seen someone just sit down in our store. At this point, I had finished my sandwich and went back to grab the floor scrubber because it had been a while since I cleaned up the floor. When I came out, I was directly across from her and I could just see her staring at me. She wouldn't take her gaze off me. Everywhere I went throughout the store, I just felt her eyes peeled on the back of my head. I stopped the scrubber for a moment and decided I should stock some drinking cups because one of the slots was completely empty. I looked back at her and she was still looking at me, but this time she got up and went back to the counter again. She looked up yet again at my manager and asked if she could use the phone. The eerie part was that she kept doing the same thing where she would talk on the phone, look back at me, turn around and continue talking. She didn't even grab her stuff or anything. She just had her hood on and kept awkwardly staring. I obviously had to continue working my job, but I got really worried about who she was talking to on the phone and why she wouldn't stop looking at me while she was talking to them. I got back on the scrubber and she went back into the corner of the store to sit down. I was making my way up the aisle towards her when I got a really good look at what she looked like. Her stare gave me the chills. She had really big eyes and they looked very dark. They might have been very dark brown, but to me they appeared almost black. She still had her hood up and she was just sitting there staring at me. Now, it's normal for a person to look at someone when they're coming up to you. But I was literally 10 feet away and she was staring directly at me for 5 seconds. If you've ever seen the movie Drag Me to Hell, she looked like the old woman from that movie. I quickly looked down at the floor but continued scrubbing past her. After what seemed like forever, I finished a small bit of floor in the area and made my way to the back of the store. I was halfway there when I heard a rustling of the book bag and realized that she grabbed her stuff and walked out. She did it so quickly it startled me. As she walked out, I looked at the window and realized that there was no car there to pick her up. Whoever she was talking to on the phone obviously was not her ride. She was just walking all by herself on the road. I recently got a job at a hotel downtown from where I live. I had never worked in the hotel industry before, so I had no idea what to expect. The time between applying for the job and being hired was less than 24 hours, which made me nervous. But I had been looking for several months and couldn't find anything, so I thought I'll take the chance. The hotel is about 150 years old and has plenty of character. Behind the front desk are places where the wallpaper has torn away, revealing the psychedelic wallpaper from what I could only guess to be the 1970s. We're talking bright pink, neon green, hookah-induced fission-type wallpaper. The walls in the upper floors are painted bright yellow and orange, and the hallways are narrow and even give off that shining kind of feel to it, but I'll elaborate on that later. My manager was a young Chinese man in his mid-twenties, only five years older than me. 
The man who owns the building is also Chinese and literally a walking stereotype. The owner is friendly and kind to his employees, but he's also rich enough that he doesn't really care if the hotel is up to par. I learned recently that he also owns one of the more rundown shopping centers downtown, so this might explain the less than 5 star quality of the hotel. Probably about 3.5 stars, in my opinion. Some people describe it as quaint, unique, full of character, while others describe it as outdated or disappointing. As a history enthusiast, I would agree that this place is full of character, but I think the owner should be a little more concerned about keeping the place clean. There are lots of problems in this hotel, including mice, broken toilets, falling ceiling tiles, leaks, and other maintenance nightmares. The fancier rooms on the top floors have real fireplaces in them, so that also adds risk of fires at the hands of careless guests. Mice are a common problem, and thankfully the guests don't have to see any of the dusty traps filled with dead rodents in the basement. But by far, the most interesting aspect of the hotel is that it's supposed to be haunted. There are two ghosts that have been reported in the building, as well as the adjoining pub next door. Back when the hotel was first built, it had a reputation of being a complete dive. A lady, now named Lady Churchill, died in the hotel and her spirit lingers in the haunted room, 49. Guests will occasionally smell her perfume or see her face in the mirror. One of the most frightening stories includes someone opening the door only to have Lady Churchill fly at them in fury. On my first day, when my boss toured me around the hotel, he pointed out the haunted room to me. Lady Churchill had also been spotted at the fireplace in the pub, arguing with her boyfriend, the other resident ghost, Brady. Brady was stabbed to death in the basement stairwell. The stairwell is not in use anymore and leads directly from the street into the basement. Instead, it's used to store extra chairs and miscellaneous items. The light is never turned on, which adds more of a creepy factor. My shift is a day shift from 7am to 3pm. Every morning when I come in, I have to check the entire hotel by myself in search of homeless people sleeping in the back stairwell or trying to get through the basement. I'm not an intimidating person. I'm a short female, not physically fit, and too friendly for my own good. If I did find someone hiding in the hotel, what was I supposed to do about it? I'm not sure what creeps me out more, the fact that I'm going to look around for people that shouldn't be there, or the idea that I have to walk around in the dark, silent areas, known to be haunted, all by myself. My sweep of the hotel includes all four floors and guest rooms, the kitchen, the back stairwell, and the basement stairwell, as well as the basement. To give you some context, the back stairwell serves as a fire escape connecting all the floors together. It goes straight down to the street level. It's always cold and echoey in there, and as I said before, full of dead mice. When I was first told about the haunted stairwell, I mistakenly thought that they meant the fire escape stairs as they go down to the basement level. The four floors for the guest rooms in all their overlook hotel glory are shaped like a square horseshoe, which means more enough blind corners. Lady Churchill haunted the room at the end of the hall around one of these blind corners and yes, I do think about it every time I search the hotel. There's an elevator and an interior stairway, the one guests are supposed to use. 
Behind the elevator is an old connecting hallway that basically serves no purpose anymore. In the past, it may have been useful, but now it just serves as a secret passageway that goes behind the elevator and comes out the other end of the horseshoe. This hallway especially needs to be searched for homeless people, drunks, or people having sex. The basement is by far the creepiest part of the hotel. To get there, you either take the elevator or go through the pub and down the stairs. I prefer to go through the pub because there are some fantastic black and white photos of when the hotel was first built and I love to look at them. It was almost the best place to see the age of the brick foundation. Anyway, the basement is used for storing beer kegs, firewood, plant potters, housekeeping items, and maintenance tools, among other things. It was usually deserted. Now that I know the dark, unused basement stairway is not where Brady's spirit is supposed to be. I think I try to spend even less time down there. This week is my second week of work and my boss had put me on the afternoon evening shift just so I can get a sense of what it's like in case I have to cover someone in the future. Yesterday was my first late shift and in that time I learned a whole bunch of things that I didn't know from the lady I worked with. This woman, let's call her Peggy, has been at the hotel for 14 years. She has seen all there is to see and is well known for her stories. I've listened to some of the stories and honestly, part of me thinks she's full of shit, but the other part is going to cautiously believe her on the off chance that it's true. Here are some of the things I learned about the hotel in the span of one shift. The man I'm replacing was not actually fired for chronic lateness, as my boss had told me, but instead for sexual harassment. The head of housekeeping, a man I get along very well with, is a friend of his. Two. The day before, Peggy caught a drug addict rooting around in the private back office after hours. We looked over the security footage and he was definitely searching for something. We now keep the office doors locked. 3. There were two guests several years back who stayed at the hotel and the next day they robbed a jewelry store downtown and fled back to the hotel with everything they had stolen. There was a massive police standoff on the roof. SWAT teams and all. There's a news article about it online, otherwise I would have not believed it. 4. The bedrock of the hotel can be found in the boiler room. There is a slight gap that has been filled in on the top right corner that connects directly to the street. One time Peggy came down there to the boiler room to find that man halfway through the gap head first, trying to get in because he wanted to know what was down there. That image terrifies me. In that span of one night shift, an alarm bell went off in the basement. The police showed up at the pub and a guest verbally abused the day staff over a non-existent shuttle to the hospital. No, not an ambulance, a shuttle. Taking the bus was beneath them, I suppose. And at my bus stop after my shift, a man was shooting up in public. My city has a drug epidemic going on right now. My bus took about a half hour to arrive, and when I got off at my stop, it was as foggy as Silent Hill. I thought as if I should be looking around for Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees. It is October after all. That's one night shift down. I have another one tonight, and one more the day after. If anything interesting happens, I'll keep you folks updated. I mostly wanted to get this off my chest.
For a while, I worked a front desk at a retirement home. My shift was from 11pm to 6am, basically the black of night. The retirement home was nice, three stories, and the people lived on their own apartments and had maids to clean up after them. There was a restaurant inside that served the residents meals. Everything was nice and new. There was even an atrium in the middle of the building that had plants, water features, and a big jacuzzi. My job was to be at the front desk in case anyone needed help. Part of my job was also to walk the floors at night, just in case one of the oldsters needed anything, and to make sure the outside doors were all shut. It took me about 20 minutes to walk each floor. I had to walk the circuit at least three times on each floor, but it was up to me when to do the intervals. After I finished the circuit, I would go back down to the first floor where I could watch TV or read until it was time to make another round. I didn't particularly like being the only person awake in that building in the wee hours. I would have to go into the back of the building and check some of the doors and that made me feel uncomfortable. One night, I was sitting on the couch in the first floor lobby, and I thought I saw one of the residents walking across the atrium like he was drunk. Sometimes residents would bring liquor into the atrium, which was okay as long as it wasn't in a glass bottle. I didn't have a good vantage point of the atrium, with all the dense foliage and my angle from where I was sitting. I got up and entered the atrium from the south door. I looked around just in case someone needed help but I was the only person in there. I went back to the first floor lobby couch and started watching TV again. I couldn't concentrate on it though. I kept thinking of the atrium. Something about it was bothering me. I decided just to make one more circuit of the building. I got in the elevator and went to the top floor and started my walk, all quiet. I then used the back stairs to get down to the second floor, also quiet except for one of the residents running their TV very loudly, but no one had a complaint, so there was no need to knock on the door. I was almost back into the elevator when I look over the side of the atrium. I saw someone in yellow swim trunks. I wasn't alarmed. I figured one of the residents was taking a late dip in the jacuzzi. Supposedly the jacuzzi wasn't to be ran after midnight, but hey, they were adults, so I wasn't going to give them a hard case about it. It was getting near 4am and I could barely keep my eyes open. I turned on the TV and sat down at the desk to do some paperwork, anything to keep me from nodding off. While I was sitting there, I saw someone walk across the atrium from the south side to the north side, just like before. Okay, now I'm getting a little pissed. Sometimes the residents have a little fun with the staff. Also, some of these old birds and cats were getting on at their age. And there had been some crazy things happening, especially when they brought out the booze. At some point, after 4am, I fell asleep at the desk. I was startled awake a few minutes later when I heard some commotion in the atrium. I jerked awake just in time to see one of the residents run across the atrium to the other side. I only saw him for a second, but he had on the yellow swim trunks. I couldn't see where he went but I could see that the north side door was propped up with one of the rocks that decorated the atrium. Propping the door open like this was certainly odd. Okay, fun games people, I thought. Playtime is over. 
I got up and went to the south side atrium door. The door was stuck. I yanked on it, but it didn't budge. So I had to scurry all the way to the other side of the atrium to enter through the prop door on the north side. As I stepped into the atrium, I could hear that the jacuzzi was on the highest setting and it was absolutely roaring. There was about a dozen beer cans on the cool decks. I marched over the fake bridge that spanned fake rocks over the river that was on the middle of the atrium. There was someone in the jacuzzi alright, but he was face down in the water. I jumped in and grabbed his arm to turn him over and start CPR, but it was already too late. He was non-responsive. I yelled for help, but the residents couldn't hear me. Most of them were hard of hearing. I tried to haul him up the jacuzzi steps, but couldn't move him much since he was twice my weight. I ran to the lobby phone. He had jammed the south side door open with some more big rocks, so I had to run fast to get to the lobby so I could call 911. The EMT showed up quickly, but my resident had set up his suicide very well. After the autopsy, the resident starter told us that he had five times the amount of alcohol of those 12 beer cans in his blood. I was pissed off that he played cat and mouse with me all night and left me to clean up the mess. And on the other hand, I felt guilty that I wasn't able to intrude on what he was up to. I blamed myself a lot for a long time. Also, if you've never been with a corpse alone in the dead of night, I can attest that it is increasingly horrific. I spent time working at a mental health unit for a private care home. There are always loads of stories of eerie things going on, and I never believed them. There are a couple of times I was freaked out though. Part of the job was to patrol the corridors, checking that the residents were asleep and in their beds. An important bit of info which is relevant is that the unit that I worked on was classed as a challenging behavior unit, basically violent or aggressive residents. The unit had been built for 40 residents, but because of the nature of the clients, the most they ever had was about 14. This meant that the place was mainly empty. One night, I was doing that check on my own at about 3 a.m. I had pretty much finished my rounds and was about to head back to the lounge to continue watching TV in an attempt to keep myself awake. As I was heading back, I heard a bump noise and some muttering down one of the corridors. Thinking it was a resident, I walked towards the noise. It seemed to be coming from room 40, which hadn't had a resident in it for years. I was on my own. All the other staff were in the lounge. I didn't recognize the voice, and as I got to the room, I heard a loud bang. I opened the door and went in. It was a pitch black empty room, perfectly tidy with no one else in there. I freaked out and checked every room on the way back again. Chatting with the staff a few weeks later, they asked if anything eerie had happened to me yet. Playing it down, I said no, but it turns out room 40 was supposedly haunted after a member of the staff was fatally wounded there by a resident. I never told anyone at work about the incident, but it freaked me out. On a side note, not quite night shift, but eerie nonetheless. I was called into an emergency day shift. A resident was dying, 
and they needed extra staff to cover the floor while staff tended to the resident in his last moments. There was a call system in the building, like a hospital, which links to the pagers that the staff have to respond to. Each room has one, and the pagers allow you to see who's calling and if it's an emergency. Anyway, the resident passed away, and it was quietly told to the staff while they sorted the funeral directions details with the family. I was sitting in a lounge when the pager system went off for his room. Thinking the staff needed help or supplies, I went into the room. I popped my head around the door to be told that they didn't page anyone. I checked my pager and it was his room that was calling. I reset the system and left. This happened three more times after that, each time within minutes of my leaving. Eventually, on the last time, I went to take the batteries out of the call system. A few minutes later, his room went off again. I still had the batteries in my pockets. We were all freaked out a little by this, so I went back one more time. The nurse that was dealing with the resident was shocked to hear what was happening. Even when I showed her the pager, saying it was a room calling, she paused and turned to the deceased. She knelt down next to him and said, in the most soothing voice ever, It's okay, Bob. You can rest now. We'll be here for you if you need us. The alarm never went off again while he was there. We put the batteries back in after he left and the system was fine. Never had a fault again or never went off unexpectedly again. Many years ago, I was a technical writer for a state office. My office was half of what had been an interrogation room for the Attorney General at one time. Since then, millions had been spent in renovations for the building, which had been built in the 1880s. It may have looked shiny and new, but it had some old residents left from before the renovations. I was working late and was sitting at my desk, which was U-shaped with the center being the only open area for my office. A coworker came in and the two of us were sitting there at each end of the U, making revisions on a document together. Suddenly I felt like someone was in the office with us, but there wasn't anyone. The door was to our backs, but it felt like someone was on the other end of the U curve part where my computer was. No one could have gotten there without walking through us. As we look at the spot where it seemed like someone was standing, the cord to my desk phone lifted and it looked like someone had dropped it off the edge of my desk. I look at my coworker and she looked at me and then we look back at the phone cord. It was swinging back and forth, then suddenly it stopped in the dead center as if someone put their hands out and held it there. It totally stopped swinging. She said, did you see that? And ran out of the office. I left, took a walk, and went back to work a little bit later. What else was I going to do? About a week later, I was at work late again. This time, I'm sitting at the bottom of the U, at my computer. Off to my left, I had a stack of papers, maybe 10 or 12 pages, and my glasses were laying on top of them. There was nothing near them, no air conditioning vents, and they were out of my reach. However, as I was typing, out of the corner of my eye, I saw some movement. I turned my head just in time to see the pile of papers with my glasses on top of them, 
slide about six inches down my desk. Other things had happened over the years, but these were the two that stood out most in my mind. This was a long time ago. Let's see, about 37 years ago, as of 2016. I worked at a full-service gas station just off the highway around the South Manchester, Connecticut, USA area, just off Highway 84, going towards Hartford. Usually it was pretty quiet at night, but one time we got robbed. The robbers pulled up to the gas pumps in a car. They asked for money in the drawer. One guy had a gun, and the other guy had the gas pump. Somehow, they ended up spraying me with gasoline, and they were flicking a big lighter. They got the money and drove off. I called the police, who in turn called an ambulance. Then I called my parents. Some of my parents beat the ambulance to the hospital, where I had a saline flush to get the gasoline out of my eyes and nostrils. This was one of many interesting nights I had as a teenager working in the gas stations, but the risk of being burned by a madman with a lighter while doused in gasoline certainly takes a cake. Being a military camp guard as part of a small detachment, I was frequently assigned to do night patrols around the camp perimeter. For one of the patrols, I was walking along with a partner, wanting to complete the round before I turned in for the night. Walking around the building, we suddenly heard footsteps coming out from the building. We paused and checked our watches. It was 2 a.m. in the morning. We decided to walk around the building, checking every exit. It was a secured building that stored millions of dollars worth of equipment. Each exit was armed with an intrusion detection lock. Each lock was armed. We heard more footsteps and decided to radio back to the guardhouse. Is there any night ops going on? No, everybody in the camp had checked out. The guardhouse holds the keys of the important key presses. When these keys are all turned in, no one except for the essential staff, like camp guards and other personnel on duty, are in camp. There's footsteps in building X. All locks are red and armed. Advice? Continue with your patrol. We'll check in with duty orderly. The DOS checked the building soon after and there wasn't anyone around. My first job as a software engineer was working at Adam Osborne and Associates at the marina. It was 1977 and I was developing simple example programs to run on the earliest microcomputers. I had a lab area with the Radio Shack TRS-80 and an Apple II, a North Star computer and a few others. We had a small number of employees, maybe 12. One night I was working late, 2 a.m. I was the only staff person in the office. All of a sudden, there was a horrendous crash and a thud, and I heard people running in the front door. I went to hide in our little stock room, behind some boxes. Some young thieves had appropriated a concrete utility cover from the sidewalk out front and chucked it through the window pane of our front door. Then they just turned the handle and they were in. Piece of cake. 
They grabbed three IBM typewriters and ran right back out. The whole episode only took 30 seconds and they roared off into their cars. I never sold the getaway car. I dialed 911 while listening to my heart pounding and waited for the cops to arrive. And that was pretty exciting. Then came the scary part. Calling Adam Osborne at home at 3am and telling him what happened. Forever after, years later, anytime I ran into Adam at a trade show or show place, he greeted me warmly and reminded me of the episode. I was in the middle of a job where I had been contracted to build a new control system for a calendar mill that rolled rubber into sheets. I had installed new control panels and during setup, the system did not work as expected. So I was under a lot of pressure to find the problems and correct them. I had been poring over the schematics looking for design errors when I found a possible problem. This was late on a Saturday night and I wanted to check the panel to see what could be causing the problem. When I got to the factory, it was closed. Normally, it stays open 24 hours, but this was a holiday weekend and they had closed the entire plant. I had a security card that opened the doors 24-7, so I just went in through the back door and used the headlight to make my way through the panel that I had installed. I took off the back panel and sat on the floor. As I was busy tracing the wiring, a light was shined in my eyes and someone yelled, Freeze! I look up to see two cops pointing their guns at me and they were shaking with fear. It was not the cops with the guns that frightened me. It was a raw fear that I saw in the cops faces that had me scared. They had responded to a silent alarm that I did not know existed and they had entered the same door that I had left open into the dark scary factory floor. They had seen my headlight bobbing around behind the strange panel and taking me as a robber or an industrial spy. We all laughed after I straightened it up with them. I actually knew one of the cops. They both said that they were scared shitless of having to creep up on me in the dark, seeing my light flashing around. I often work at night, so as to not to get in the way of production. In another incident, I was working in an unfamiliar city at night in an industrial area. It was cold with six inches of snow on the ground. All the equipment in the building was shut down except for the industrial furnace that had a noisy blower running on a timer. The timer ran down and the furnace stopped, leaving it dead silent except for the footsteps I could hear someone walking across the roof. At first I thought I was hearing things, but they started up again and I followed them from below. I went to the back door, made sure it was locked, and peered out the doors towards my car 50 meters away in the parking lot. It was then I noticed footsteps in the snow going around my car and right to the door where I was at. Just then I hear rattling and the shadow of someone coming from the fire ladder. I hide from the window behind a metal grinder and saw three hoodie men drop from the fire ladder and go back towards my car. They peered into the doors. So here I was in a strange city with three men trying to break into my car and the building I was in. I finally found the phone in the office and called 911. It took forever for the cops to get there, over 30 minutes. 
It turned out that there were three kids in a gang who had set up their hideout on the roof of the building that was normally empty at night. They had hidden stash of stolen goods on the roof. No big deal, but hearing footsteps on the roof of an empty building in the dark of night really got to me. As a youngster, I was working in a food store. The shop was open 24-7, so naturally, sometimes I had to take the night shift. To be honest, I preferred working at night because there aren't as many customers and I didn't have to overwork. Plus, the money was slightly better. Usually, I was working with the same guy from the team, and this was a rule. Our boss didn't want to leave the shop with just one person. The area wasn't dangerous. There was mostly single-family houses and schools, and it was in a safer area. One day I came in to work the night shift. I was waiting for my friend to join me when the phone rang. It was Tom, my workmate. He said his car had broken down in the middle of nowhere, and he couldn't leave it there. I didn't want to stay in the shop alone, but I understood that Tom couldn't just leave his car too. I would usually call Julia, another workmate, but I knew it was her birthday and she was throwing a party and I didn't want to ruin her night. I called my boss and I told him I would manage on my own and he agreed on that. The night was quiet and calm. The shop was visited by parents who forgot to buy milk for their children, young men who wanted some beer, and teenagers who wanted to buy popcorn before they started to watch a horror film. After 11, it fell silent, so I opened a book and started reading. I was entirely wrapped by the crime story I was reading when I lifted my head and saw a man standing at the street, staring at the shop. Usually, I wouldn't pay no mind, but this case was unusual. The man was wearing a white suit, a hat, and had crutches, as he didn't have a right leg. I felt awkward. He was just staring at the shop and looking at me. After some minutes, I was scared and regretted that I hadn't ruined Julia's night and asked her to come and join me. After some time, the guy left, but I still felt nervous. I was alone in the shop and didn't want to call anybody and wake them up. I decided that reading a book will be an excellent way to start thinking about something else. I opened the next page and the telephone rings. I pick it up and said, Hello, how can I help you? Nobody replied. I heard the sound of breathing. I asked again who was calling, but after some seconds, the person hung the phone up. This was the moment I was terrified. I was sure it was the guy in the white suit. I had plenty of strange thoughts in my head, including the one that I was a protagonist of a horror movie and was going to die in some minutes. I knew I couldn't stay in the shop alone anymore. I called my father and immediately asked him to come pick me up. I also sent my boss a message that I had to close the shop because I felt sick. My father came in around 15 minutes as he was also scared after hearing my story. For me, it was the longest 15 minutes of my life. I locked up the shop and was fighting the irrational thoughts in my head. After my dad came, I felt relief, but I also didn't imagine going back to work at night again. The next day, I wanted to hand in my notice. I knew the shop was 24-7 and all the workers took different shifts, so I didn't want to ask for any special treatment. 
I went to the shop and started to explain everything to my boss, telling him that I'm leaving. When he interrupted me, he said to me that he was talking with some man two hours ago, the man with one leg. I think my heart stopped beating for a minute after that. My boss continued to say that the man came to the shop to say sorry for staring at the shop and calling at night. The guy assumed that he must have scared me by calling. The man also said that he had been many years abroad and came to the town after 50 years that night. He was looking at the shop because he was living there when he was a kid. As we understood, it was a normal house back then. His family had to leave the country because of political persecution. The man called the shop because he found the number in the yellow pages and wanted to ask how long the shop existed. Plus, he didn't even know I saw him. When he was calling, he didn't say anything that moment because it was very emotional for him. He started crying and of course, he didn't want to talk in such condition. All in all, he wanted to know what happened to the house during those years. I was bewildered hearing the story and didn't know if I wanted to leave my job anymore or not. Happily, my boss told me the shop can only be open at night if there are two workers, otherwise it would have to be closed. In the end, I stayed at the shop for some time and promised myself not to work at night alone anymore. I haven't met the guy in the suit. He probably left town, but I hope he's okay after that. This is the scariest thing that ever happened to me while I was night shift security at a data center. I was just an 18 year old kid and my job was to sit in the office all night alone. This was in the early days of the internet. There was no Facebook or YouTube to kill time. Usually, I took the time to study or practice a guitar, but sometimes I needed a break from that. I decided to photocopy my face, which led to my butt and other parts. I'm the only one in the building, so it's super easy. But then, the paper got jammed after having copied my parts. There was about one hour before the early people would start coming in the office. I had no idea how to open this very expensive copier and there was no manual anywhere. I was pulling the parts off trying to remember where they came from so I could put it back. No smartphones to just snap a picture and know how to put everything together. I had pulled off and replaced many parts that gave me no access to the jam paper. There was only 30 minutes before the first people started coming in and what if someone decided to come in early that day? Long story short, I managed to figure out how to remove the offending jammed copy with literally only 3 minutes before someone came in to the office. This isn't a scary story, but it scared the crap out of me. So, where do I start? I guess I can begin with a bit of background. This story takes place at a Kroger. I wasn't a customer or anything, no, I was an employee. I'm night shift, which means no one else is in the store but us employees. But when the store opens, there's a couple hours of opportunity to interact with the customers. So I met this man and he looked like he was in his 60s, probably 6 foot tall. I'm 5'4", and he walked with a slow pace and a limp. 
Nothing too threatening, right? Now, I've seen this guy all the time. Sometimes, even with his wife. He didn't say anything bad to me at first. Just, you're working too hard. And that's it. I would usually answer back with, hardly working. Nothing bad. So very harmless and forgetful. I moved on with my shift. It goes like this for a while. With the same greeting and everything. Sometimes even making a bit of small talk. He never really had anything special to say. I used to teach karate, he says, and I'm a third degree black belt until they kicked me out. No lie, he actually said kicked me out. So me being curious and dumb, I asked why, for reasons I honestly cannot remember. But I think in that moment of curiosity, he saw an opportunity to literally vent to me. This is where Harmless goes downhill. He would share too much, way too much. He would say things like, My wife hates my guts and constantly says she wants to divorce. My kids want nothing to do with me and took away all my weapons. My wife beats me and I got arrested on false accusations of hitting her back. I got married to my wife when I was 19 and adopted her two kids when it happened. I'm a 21 year old girl who just wanted to do my job and go home. I don't care about any of this, but in my eyes, I saw that he felt lonely, so I continued to play the part of the listener. Time goes on, and I would see him a couple times a week, and he would take up at least 20 minutes of my time to talk to me. He said a couple of other things to me, but I've honestly tuned him out at this point. He literally does nothing but complain, complain, and more complaining. It's honestly taxing to listen to him. So this is where I become just plain stupid and I have since then regretted my actions. We were acquainted at this time. I know his name, his wife, and he damn well gave me more information about himself than necessary. So I clock out of work and walk outside. I see old dude. We walk, we talk. Well, he talks and I just listen. And he suddenly says to me, I have my phone number if you want. You don't have to accept if I'm creeping you out. I felt obligated and dumbfounded, but I took the damn piece of paper with his number on it. This is a 60-year-old man talking to a 21-year-old girl. I don't call him, but kept the piece of paper in my wallet. At this point in time, I'm not really getting major red flags. It just seems like a lonely old man that wants to talk to someone nice for a change because he makes it out like the whole world is moving against him and is out for his life. I'm not exaggerating this either. Moving on with the story, I let him have my number, not expecting him to call really. When I get a text, and I quote, since I still have them, please help me, I need to talk to you. I panic a bit since this sounds like a cry for help. I call him immediately. The conversation was a bit lost on me because he goes on and on about his wife was beating him and how he has no friends and how he was his only friend. How I'm the most beautiful woman he had ever met, the smartest, the kindest, and blah blah. He was on the phone with me for an hour and I had to go to bed in a couple hours since I worked the night shift. He called every day, at least once a day. Dude knew my birthday was coming up and called to ask what I would want. I said I didn't care. 
He asked me about flowers and if I liked them, if I liked jewelry. I didn't care. He then said he wasn't going to call me for the next three days. And the next time he would see me, he would give me my gift. Fine, whatever. I hung up. Unfortunately, disaster struck and a family member of mine passed away. Cancer. It's just one of those things. I didn't know him that well, but he was a good, kind-hearted man. I went to the funeral to support my dad since he saw him as a father. I text the old dude to let him know that I can't receive his gift and I was going to go to a funeral. I leave work early to head home and get dressed and ready for the long day. When my phone goes off, I got a text message from him saying, I understand. I need to talk to you. Please call me when you can. I ignored that crap and moved on with my plans. I'm in the middle of the funeral, surrounded by grieving people chatting back and forth when my phone begins to ring. My heart sinks to the lowest pit of hell when I recognize the ringtone. It was the old dude. I ignore the call and continue with the funeral when he calls again, not even five minutes later. I leave the loud room and walk into the hallway, answering the phone angrily and generally pissed off. I say I'm at a funeral and I hang up. He then proceeds to call me and text me one last time during the day. That was a total of three calls while I was at a funeral. Normally, people would respect other people's privacy when things like death happen. I turn off my phone. I get back home and I call dude to see what the hell was going on and he doesn't answer back. The next day he calls me, moans and groans about how he had the worst day of his life. How his wife slapped him across his face and stuff. I'm sorry about the abuse, but I honestly don't really believe him at this point. He goes on for an hour when he says something that broke my sympathy for him. If I was younger, I would ask you to be my wife. What? It's true. I would want to take you ice skating, show you out to the town, and treat you like the lady you are. That's something you just don't say to a 22-year-old girl. I was at wit's end with this man. I'm done. So my birthday rolls around and he texts me twice. Please call me anytime you can and let me know how your birthday went and what you got for your birthday. Love me. Will you please go skating tomorrow morning, please? Let me know, please, for our birthdays. I wish I was lying about these texts. That was the last text I got from him, and I told him in person to lose my number. He said he understood, but he still called me at least two more times and talked to me on the phone for an hour, talking about how he would love to teach me karate and how I needed to defend myself, how I needed to prepare to take a life if necessary. Like, he goes into gruesome detail about what he would do to them. I freaking block his number as soon as he hangs up. That was a straw that broke the camel's back. Now we get to today. I saw him out of the corner of my eye, slowly lumbering over to me. I greeted him, but kept on working. He talked to me for at least 20 minutes. During the time, he bought a vase of roses and gave them to me. It was around that time that the store manager saw how long I was talking to him and came over to break it up. Dude walks away and the store manager looks at me, clearly concerned, and asked me if I was okay. I told her I was fine and that he was harmless. 
She told me not to talk to him for that long anymore and that I need to do my job and leave. I understood where she was coming from. So the store manager leaves and I get back to work. Minutes away from leaving when another employee walks up. He also knows of the old dude and I talked to him before. He told me that old dude had been kicked out of the store before for inappropriate comments to other female workers. He says he's got my back if I need to escape from dude and I thanked him for his concern. So here I am seconds away from leaving and staring at the roses in my cart. Yeah, I'm definitely throwing those away, I said to myself, heading back to the break room. I run into two employees, just when I'm about to toss the roses. My employee asks me what's wrong with them, and I say, I got them from an unwanted guest. It was in an instant that she knew who I was talking about. That dirty old man? She said, clearly, a lot of people in the store knew about him. I offered the rose to my other coworker to get them off my hands, and she gladly takes them saying to come to her if he bugs me again. So I'm flower free and the phone number is blocked. I drive home and realize that I need to tell my dad about this. So I tell him the truth. Not about all the phone calls since I'm a coward but enough for him to become concerned. I give him the piece of paper with his number on it. Needless to say my dad's keeping a calm and keen eye on the horizon while polishing his guns at the moment. Update. It's only been a day since I posted the story, and I got one more thing to say. He came back today and walked up to me. I didn't even look at him. I got you into trouble yesterday, didn't I? I immediately said, yes, yes you did, still refusing to look at him. I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. And that was it. He said that and left right after. What do you guys think? I believe he's harmless, just doesn't know his boundaries well. Second update. Oh boy, he came in again for the fourth day in a row. This is definitely obsessive behavior. No one goes to the grocery store for four days in a row. He came in again and gave me a card, apologizing for getting me in trouble the other day. It read, I'm sorry I got you into trouble. I hate it worse if I can't talk to you anymore. Please call me. You're my only friend. I don't want to lose you as a friend. I love talking to you every morning. You make my day. I'll be on my best behavior. Please call me. I let this whole thing drag on way too long. I gotta end it now before my parents become full-fledged mama bear and papa bear mode. So this is the final update. I guess I can finally put this whole stupid ordeal behind me now. I know I was stupid, but what else is new? So I told my boss about what happened and naturally he took it very serious. I showed him the card and everything and he said he would handle it. So some time passed and I still see the guy every so often, ignoring him like I'm supposed to do. I told my boss that the old dude was inside the store and he literally went hunting for him, going up and down the aisles trying to find him, but no luck, I guess the dude left. The next time I saw him was more comical really. I was talking to my boss about whatever and I gestured to a pallet behind me that I had to start on. I was casually looking over my shoulder and the old dude was standing right behind me. I made a weird gasping sound and spun back around, eyes wide, a bit caught off guard. I don't know if he was pretending to look for something 
My boss picked up on it right away and said, Is that him? Yep. I'll talk to him. My boss went towards the guy and I walked away, wanting nothing to do with it. A couple of minutes later, my boss found me again and said that him and the old dude had a small chat. Nothing bad. He basically told the old dude that he was making me uncomfortable and he needs to leave me alone. Things like that. First things first, I work in a very well-known casino in Lincoln, California. I'm a porter and I work the graveyard shift. Pretty much what I do is deliver water to the bars, do garbage, replace bags, help servers, bartenders, and bar bags. I'm used to strange people because criminals, meth heads, and just straight up weirdos are always here at this time. People don't scare me. I'm a six foot beefy fellow and there are cameras everywhere. There's only one area that unnerves all the porters and it's the second floor storage area. All of us don't like it and we always pair up when one of us has to go up there. The reason is that it's so loud on the casino floor and the staff halls, but it is too quiet on the second floor. That's probably the main reason. Well, Gerald, my best work buddy, who was a 6'9", 290 pound ginger with a beard, and I had to take the portable bar in the storage area in our section. I grabbed the heavy one and he grabbed the other one and we took the giant elevator up and started walking. Now this is important. It's a 90 foot walk with three large right turns into the actual storage room. And this hall had scaffolding everywhere because of the construction at the hotel, which was directly above us. So we had to maneuver around. It's quieter than usual because the air conditioning is on due to the construction, which resumes at 8 a.m. We make it into the storage room. The storage room is massive. There are five chain linked fence blocks with about one to three sections per block. Each block is about 83 feet by 45 feet with pathways between them, which fit about six people standing shoulder to shoulder. Now each block has this different level of visibility. Some you can see between the shelves and others don't go over four feet high. So you can see anything over four feet and others had zero visibility. Our section is the third block. We take a left into the last section. There are also very few cameras. We put away the bar without much issue. We walk back and chat about the Justice League. We make it 20 feet to exit the hall and I heard something. It sounded like someone covered their mouth and laughed, which is weird because no one's supposed to be up here other than Gerald and I. I stopped and turned my head to look slightly behind me. Gerald stopped and looked at me confused. Did you hear that? Hear what? We both listened intently and sure enough a small cackling occurred again. What the fuck is that? I don't know. Let's leave, I said. Wait, let's see what it was, he replied. I watch horror movies and I know cliche when I see it. I point this out to Gerald. And he said he was going to investigate it and that splitting up would be a way more dangerous option. I reluctantly go with him. We walk up to the first block and I hear it on the other side of the first block. We peek behind the corner 
and we see on the left side of the second block a construction helmet slightly peeking from around the corner. After two seconds, it disappeared. We hurried to the other side, but it was gone. We go forward a little more, and we heard cackling, but it was farther, on the fourth block. Luckily, the fourth block only had one blind spot, which was where the helmet was. So Gerald goes around to try to intercept it. I keep my eyes on it. He gives me a signal, and we both charge it. It leans back, and we nearly run into each other. We look down to see the empty construction helmet on the ground. We were dumbstruck. There were no other exits, and we would have seen whoever if they ran. No other place to hide, and we would have heard if someone climbed a fence. We look around. No answers. Gerald finally agrees that we should leave. We hurry out. I peer over my shoulder, and after we pass the exit, I see it again peer slightly over the doorway. We bolt to the elevator through the scaffolding. We make it to the elevator and quickly got inside. We hear a wet slapping sound by the scaffolding. The elevator closes and we go down. We were both so nervous. I still have no idea if someone was fucking with us or something else. I work at a family owned restaurant as a counter girl. My job is fairly easy, and when I turned 16 years old, they allowed me to become a closer. Which shouldn't be the name, since closing counter girls leave an hour before actual closing time. One night, three well-dressed and fit men came in. They were buff, over 6 foot 3 at least, dressed in fitted suits with nice jewelry on. And I can't lie, they were very attractive. One of them came to the counter while my co-workers weren't around and asked for my number. I proceeded to tell them how young I was. He continued on with it and said, just delete the messages. I got his number and began texting him and felt relief that he told me that he was on a business trip and he actually lives in Texas and is leaving in four days. Those next four days, since I refused to go to his place, he was coming in every night to get food. I didn't mind it at first, but each day he came with a different man when he told me he was only on a trip with the two men from the first meeting. By the time the third or fourth day rolled around, my closing shift ended at 11, since it was a Saturday night. He came in again, this time with even taller and bigger men. I'm talking gigantic muscle men, which was very unnerving. It was about 10.15 or so, and he said, you guys close at 12, right? So you're off soon, huh? And I just smiled and nodded at him and cast him out. I went about my usual business and around 10.55, when I went to put stuff in the dish room before clocking out, something caught my eye outside the little kitchen window. It was this fucking guy inside his rental white challenger with a black stripe. I recognized it clear as day since he boasted about it upon our first meeting. Sure enough, when I walk up to the window, they were in there waiting. At this time, I recently turned 16 and didn't have my license just yet, so my sister was picking me up. She parked fairly far away, past where they were, and there were no streetlights on or anything. I was starting to become nauseous. I immediately started panicking and my waitress noticed. I told her everything and she had me call my sister to pull up to the door. 
and I told her, please don't go outside, Vanessa. Let me go on my own. The last thing I wanted was for her to get hurt. But she's a mother, and she denied what I said and walked me out and made sure I got into the car and locked the doors. Once I got in, I didn't even buckle, and I said to my sister, you need to drive, and you need not to drive home. My gut was telling me something, and it wasn't nice. My sister, obviously confused and getting freaked out, but did what I asked. I noticed them following, but she had lost them. To this day, I'm grateful for the waitress for helping me and my sister for acting quickly and not stopping to ask questions. I don't know what would have happened if I left on my own. Okay. So this just happened 15 minutes ago. I'm still shaking from this shit as I type this. I work out of five guys and I had a shift from 5 p.m. to close. We close at 10 p.m. and we're usually there till about 10.45 cleaning up and prepping for the next day. Usually there's one person on dishes, one cleaning, one changing and taking out the trash and the manager doing paperwork and helping us out. I'm usually on trash because I'm not really good at the other things. The walk to the dumpster is about 75 yards away from the back door through a pitch black alleyway. Tonight, I had an absurd amount of trash to take out, so I was exhausted and just wanted to go home. And the way back from my last trip, my pants started to fall down because I wore them extremely loose at work. I don't know why. I stopped to pull up my pants and turn around to see a man sprinting towards me. My heart stopped and I jumped like you would jump from a jump scare in a horror movie. I turned around and did a speed walk type of thing because it's like 1040 at this time and pitch black out. Shit reminded me of the dude from Get Out. Anyways, I turned back around to see what the guy was doing and he was fucking gone. Gone. Disappeared. At this point, I full on sprinted to the back door. Yeah, that's pretty much all there is to the story. The story's kind of anticlimactic, but it scared the crap out of me. I'm a 27-year-old male, and I live in the UK with my fiancé. I currently work as a teaching assistant for teenagers with special education needs in a school not far from the Bradgate Park. I have worked in a number of schools, in children's homes, and now these buildings, especially in children's homes. This particular story happened in 2013, when I had just started working as a support worker at a care home for teenagers and young adults, 18 to 30, with autism, brain damage, and challenging behavior. The house that I worked in was pretty big. There were two living rooms, a large kitchen, a game room, a study, and five bedrooms. There was also a huge garden with a summer house slash activity room that led onto acres of fields and woodlands. I had been working there for about three weeks and primarily worked the waking night shift. This shift ran from 12 p.m. until 8 a.m. and it was my duty to make sure all the residents were settled in for the night and to get all the cleaning done before the next day's staff come in to take over. I would usually get all my jobs done around 1 a.m. and spend the rest of the night listening for anyone that woke up. I'd watch TV or sometimes just play games on my phone once I was finished. The residents usually slept all night. One particular night, a young man named James was particularly restless. He was not very big, but he had a lot of strength behind him. And when he got into one of his bad moods, the slightest thing could set him off. 
He once threw a member of the staff through the patio door because she had forgotten to put cold water in his tea before he drank it. He could not form sentences and would communicate with fairly simple words put together in a way that he understood. For example, he would say something like, James make breakfast when he was ready for breakfast or James go outside if he wanted to play outside. He was generally well behaved and could be quite funny when he wanted to be but he was well known for his temper. Around 11 p.m., James got up and came downstairs to make a drink. I stood in the doorway and watched to make sure he didn't break anything or hurt himself, and he eventually went back upstairs without any real bother. I sat on the top step and kept my eye on his door for maybe 15 minutes or so to make sure he didn't wake up any other residents. Once he had settled in, I went back to my cleaning. The room beneath James' bedroom was a communal living area with board games, a TV, sofas, books, and stuff like that. I was in there dusting and mopping the floor when I heard something heavy drop to the floor in the room above. I knew James was prone to temper tantrums if he got frustrated, so I went upstairs and knocked on his door. As I reached for the key to open it myself, he opened the door and looked at me. He seemed perfectly calm and his eyes were almost half shut, like he had been asleep. I asked him if he was okay and he said yes and put his thumb up. This was something he did when he was in a good mood and not stressed out. So I left him to it and told him to be careful, thinking that he had just knocked something over. An hour or so passed and by now I was in the kitchen cleaning the sink. I heard another bang above me, like something had been dropped. Then I realized that the room above the kitchen is currently empty. The house was set up to house five residents, but we currently only had four, and the room above me was a spare, empty bedroom. I immediately went to go check it out, but the room was empty. I stood there for a while, and as far as I could tell, everyone was asleep. Due to the nature of the conditions and behaviors, each resident has an alarm fitted to their door that is activated at night. So if anyone leaves their bedroom, a small receiver box that a night staff carries will make a noise and light up for a few seconds to indicate the door had been opened and is numbered 1 through 5. The alarm had not gone off, so I knew that the noise did not come from any of the residents. I got back to cleaning and didn't hear anything else for the rest of the night. The following night, I got to work just before 10 and as I entered the hallway, I could tell something was wrong. James was at the bottom of the stairs covering his ears and humming loudly as three members of staff were with him. After a few minutes, he was escorted to a sitting room and the house manager gave me a rundown of what had been going on. Apparently, for the last few hours, James had been quite agitated and kept repeating the phrase, Sarah, little girl. This is something we had never experienced with him before and the general conclusion was that he saw something on TV or in a movie that stuck in his head and made him repeat the phrase. Once James had settled in bed, the night staff left and the other member of the staff that was sleeping in went to the staff bedroom. I got on with my tasks, as usual, and finished around 1am. So after that I went upstairs to do a quick check on all the residents, but as I got onto the first floor landing, I noticed the light had been turned off. There were two small corridors leading to the bedrooms on the left and right hand sides of the staircase. James' room was on the left, and the light switch was just outside his room. I turned the corner and flicked the switch, and there, in the darkness and complete silence was James. He stood in the corner completely naked, and his eyes as wide as he could possibly hold them. 
I'm a big guy, six foot three, and weigh about 220 pounds, but at that moment, I felt really creeped out. I spoke calmly to James and asked him what was going on, and for a while he said nothing at all. Then, as I turned the light back on, he went into an ear-piercing scream and started slapping himself around the face. The sleeping staff woke up at this point and helped me calm down the situation and get James back into bed before reassuring the other residents that everything was fine. After that night I had four days off. My shift patterns were seven days on, two days off, followed by eight days on and four days off. And I was relieved that this incident happened just before my time off began. I got back to work the following week and was told that the situation with James talking about the little girl had got worse. He would spend hours staring out the window that overlooked the garden saying, Little girl, where are you little girl? And no one knew where he got that phrase from. That night, around 3 a.m., the alarm went off to say that door 5, the spare room, had been opened. Now, this instantly seemed a bit weird, as the door to the spare room was always kept locked, because it was being used as storage at the time. I went up to investigate and found James standing in the room, in the dark. He didn't seem to notice me enter, and he just stood there whispering, Where are you? Over and over again, I gently touched him on the shoulder and said something like, Come on, mate. Let's go back to bed. It's late. James turned around and started heading back to his room, and for a second I was relieved. As I locked the door to the spare room, he screamed out, Oh no! and started slamming the door with both fists. As he did this, the alarm went off to indicate that the front door had been opened. The only people with a key to the front door were myself and the house manager. The door has four locks on it, two that require a key, and two others that require electric ID cards. Now it's 3.25 a.m. and the manager never came in before 8, so I presumed that there must be some kind of mistake and continued to diffuse the situation with James. He finally calmed down and went back to his room, so then I went downstairs to check on the front door. To my surprise, it was wide open. I shut it immediately. I started to check every room in the house in case someone had got in. I then checked each of the residents to make sure they were still in the house. Everything was fine. The next night, everything was calm around 2 a.m. when one of the other residents, Connor, got up and said someone was tapping on his window. I guessed that he must have been dreaming since his window was on the third floor of the house and at least 25 feet off the ground. I went back up to his room with him to reassure and check his window. Sure enough, it was shut and securely locked. As he got back in bed, I heard footsteps on the stairs outside his room. He froze for a second and looked at me with an expression of pure panic on his face. I opened the door to see who it was, but no one was there. He was clearly scared by this and said, Is he back? My blood ran cold and I asked, Is who back? What do you mean? Connor looked over my shoulder and then sank back into bed pulling the duvet up to his mouth. I turned around to see what he was looking at, but there's still no one there. Tell, tell him to go away, Connor said in a hushed, scared voice. I tried to reassure him that there was no one there, and I left the bedside lamp on before leaving his room. I went downstairs and sat outside on the patio with a cup of coffee. It was the middle of January and was about negative two outside, but I felt like I had to get out of the house for a while. After about 40 minutes, I went back inside and washed my cup in the sink, dried it, and put it back in the cupboard. 
Beneath the cupboard was a locked, secured drawer where we kept all the sharp knives until needed. The drawer was slightly open. This was obviously a major issue as none of the residents were allowed to access the knife drawer without supervision. I counted all the knives and realized that there was one missing. So I woke up the sleep-in staff and told her the situation and we began a search. Nearly two hours later, we still hadn't found the missing knife, so we decided to keep up our guard and make sure none of the residents were hiding it. Two hours later, at 5.30, the alarm sounded. It was the door to the spare room again. I went up to check it and found that the door was locked. How could the alarm have been activated by the door opening if the door was still locked? I went inside and turned the light on. To this day, I still have no explanation for what I found and I often think about this incident. The bed had been pushed from its usual place and was against the wall and the wardrobe doors were open. There were screws and nails all over the floor, but nothing was broken. But the most disturbing part, in the middle of the room, there was a child's doll, a gold bracelet, and the missing knife from the kitchen. The doll was an old style baby doll. My guess that it was made in the 50s from the style of clothes and the overall look of the doll. The bracelet was simple but old looking. I left everything as it was and reported to the manager as soon as she arrived. No one ever claimed the bracelet belonging to them and it was taken to a charity shop soon after along with the doll. After the doll and bracelet were moved from the house, James seemed to calm down and never mentioned the little girl or stood in the dark again. I still don't have an explanation for everything and sometimes I think that the combination of strange behavior from a young autistic guy and the fact that the house was old. But on the other hand, a lot of stuff happened that I can't really explain. My only regret now is that the doll and bracelets are gone and can never be examined or identified. Maybe it was paranormal, who knows, but now I work day shifts and do not plan on working night shifts anytime soon. This all happened when I was about 16. I was in high school and working at my first part-time job at a fast food restaurant. It was located off a highway and wasn't uncommon to get a lot of crazy customers. I arrived at work one day and was surprised to see that my schedule that week had changed giving me a graveyard shift on Friday night. The thought of being at this place overnight gave me the creeps and I thought my manager was insane by making the youngest employee take that night shift. But it wasn't a school night and I didn't want to seem like a baby so I just accepted it. When the night came, it was just me and another coworker who was a larger man and was very friendly so it made me feel safe and comfortable with him there. Before leaving, my manager gave me a rundown on how the night was supposed to go. At 11 o'clock I was to lock the doors and we would only be taking drive through orders. But on this particular night, just my luck, one of the main door had been broken and wouldn't lock properly. If anyone comes in, just tell them they can't be in the lobby and they have to order through the drive-thru. After these words of wisdom, my manager went home to the comfort of his bed and I started my long night. Being slightly paranoid and not used to the new shift, every noise I heard outside made me jump. A few times, some customers came in through the unlocked door, but quickly and politely left after being asked to go through the drive-thru. When it reached 1am in the morning, I was in the back of the store organizing boxes when I heard the slam of the heavy door close. I ran to the front to tell whoever it was that they needed to leave, but I saw no one. I walked into the lobby and looked all around but didn't see anyone. 
Did you hear someone come in? I asked my co-worker as he also came to investigate. Maybe they left. I'll check the bathroom to be safe, he said as he opened the men's bathroom. They quickly came out. Nope, no one in here. You should go check the girl's bathroom. I agreed and opened the door to the woman's bathroom. At first I didn't see anything, so I called out, Anyone in here? No response. To double check, I needed to take a few steps into the bathroom, and at this time I was able to see some feet behind the stall. The stall door was wide open, and as I got closer, I was able to see inside. My stomach instantly sank. I caught the eye of a woman with long tangled brown hair crouched next to the toilet with a needle in her arm. She jumped up out of surprise and ripped the needle out of her arm squirting blood all over the floor. She raised the needle over her head and started to move towards me. I let out a scream and ran out as fast as I could past my co-worker. I whipped around just in time to see her running out the front door. My heart was racing and I was scared to death and ended up going home right after. I quit the next day. So lady shooting up in the bathroom at 1am, let's not meet again. So my dad has always been that type of guy who doesn't believe in anything unless he witnesses himself. He was a pretty macho guy and isn't into all the fairy tale and ghost nonsense. Yet that all changed for him one day. It was about 2.30 in the afternoon when my dad came home. He works a night shift at the old El Reno prison. He says that it's a pretty laid back job for the most part. He usually drives around the prison in one of the guards trucks or keeps watching the tower. But one night he was sent to do a sweep of the chapel as to make sure no one was in there that shouldn't be. His boss, let's call him Jack, told him to come back and check in with him after he had done so. My dad walked through the yard out to the chapel and as soon as he walked in he said he felt a wave of nervousness come over him. He flicked on the old lights and walked in and began to check around the room. After a couple minutes, he saw a man, dressed in the same uniform as him, walk out of one of the little offices in the back. My dad asked the man if he was already doing a sweep of the chapel, and the man replied, Yes, I'll take it from here. So confused as to why he was sent out there to check the chapel, my dad just gave a little, Oh, okay, I'll let Jack know. My dad returned to his boss about 15 minutes later after he had sent him. Jack looked at him and asked, How did you get done so fast? You couldn't have properly checked the whole place in such a short amount of time. Another guard was there. He said he checked it, my dad said. And I guess Jack didn't know anything of it. As long as the chapel was checked, everything was fine with him. Well, this is where it gets creepy. About three days later, my dad said he was walking down the halls of the prison and stopped to look at the display case of all the old photos of the guards in the past. As he was browsing the photos, his heart sank and his blood froze. One of the pictures he came across was the very same guard he encountered at the chapel. Only the guard was dead. Apparently about four years before my dad started working there, a riot broke out in the middle of the chapel and the guard was stabbed to death. And that guard was the same man my dad saw in the old chapel. But out of the 12 years of working there, not once had he ever heard about the riot until now. I don't know if they just don't talk about it, scared it might run off some newbies. All I can say is, my dad is now a firm believer of the paranormal. And not once has he ever been back to that creepy chapel. A little over a year ago, 
I had a job working overnight at a gas station that was close to my house. I'm a woman, and I was 31 at the time. I noticed some, it seems unsafe for a woman to work graveyard shift by herself. However, it was a slow store, and the sheriff's office was about 20 feet away from it. I really didn't think I would have any problems. There would only be about 30 customers in an 8 hour shift, and that was on a busier night. It was about 3.30 in the morning. I went outside to sweep the parking lot and make one last check of the trash. It was time for a cigarette, and I had one headphone kind of jamming out. Across the road in the parking lot of the sheriff's office, I saw a figure with his back to me. He was swaying back and forth while looking down. Honestly, it looked like he was joining a much-needed pit. Against the sheriff's office, though? Yeah, the building was closed at 4 p.m. and didn't open till 6 in the morning. By the back of his ripped white t-shirt, I remember that he had came in the store about 4 hours earlier. He was a total creep, and I could already tell he had a good buzz going. I didn't say anything. I just took my eyes off of him and tried not to draw any attention to myself. It was working until a car pulled up. I was still outside as they pulled up. I saw him look at the car and then look at me and back and forth again. And after I was done serving her, I walked her outside. I still had a half smoke burning and had left my dustpan and squeegee. We both heard him start to swear angrily and seemingly engaged in an argument with himself. She looked across the road and told me to be careful. The man was still there but closer to the road and now facing the parking lot of my store. Whatever he was yelling was completely unintelligible. He was obviously very drunk and could barely stand straight, still swaying away. I still didn't engage him, but I also didn't take my eyes off of him this time. I slowly walked back in the store. Something about his face really bothered me. It had a darkness to it and his eyes looked wild. I don't like it at all and I wanted no part of it, but I still had almost three hours to go and two more to go before any other employees got there. Instantly I went to the computer and typed temporary clothes sign just in case he wanted trouble. I was coming around the counter on my way to the door when I saw that he had walked across the road and is now on my side of the parking lot. I literally just barely got the second door locked when he stumbled into our very small parking lot. My hand mimmed the hand signal for cut across my neck before saying, Nope, sorry, you can't come in here. We're closed. I shook my head back and forth, hoping to further discourage him. He starts walking away, but screams something at me while he was walking. I don't mean he was grumpy or yelled that I was asshole or anything. He was at an enraged volume and was throwing his hands everywhere. I got really skeeved out. I decided to call the cops. It's a good thing too, because the minute I hung up the phone with them, there he comes again up to the door. He starts pulling and banging on it. He backs up and runs into it, trying to ram it. I made the mistake of telling him I had called the cops and his ass was about to be grass. I say I made a mistake of telling him because once I said it, he took off. The police never found him. They drove around the road and the surrounding neighborhoods for over an hour, but found no one. He was on foot, so I don't get where he could have gone. Since he didn't harm me, and with him not finding him, I never filled out a police report or anything. I was safe behind the thick glass doors that were locked for the rest of my shift. 
It just sucked. Maybe if I didn't warn him ahead of time, I wouldn't have spent the last three months of my job constantly looking over my shoulder. I'll never know what the right choice was. I'm just glad I don't work there anymore. Back in 2007, I started a tech job with an IP phone long distance company. The company is no longer around and honestly, I don't even know how they stayed in business as long as they did. It was really just a pyramid scam, but thankfully I was on the IT side of things, so I didn't have to sell anything. It was a small typical tech support call center. The customers would call in, or Verizon Quest would call and say DT1 lines were down, or there were outages. I was the only female on the team, having to prove myself it didn't take long and the customers respected me for being able to handle things. After making my mark, I decided to take the 10 hour night shifts. I worked Wednesday through Saturday from 1 p.m. to 12 a.m. with an hour for lunch at 6 p.m. I was completely alone in the whole building. The rush to get out of the office at 6 p.m. was insane. I couldn't blame them, but I decided having three days off was better than two. Like I said, I was by myself most nights. I would have to keep an eye on emails and make sure I answered all the calls. It was often a very slow shift. I would get a lot of video game reading and schoolwork done during this time, but sometimes I would just wander the building, walk all around just to get away from my desk for a time. I would have the phone system connected to my cell phone so no calls would be missed. This allowed me to go get a soda or get food and so on. One time when I was away from my desk, I was going down to the lunch room to grab a soda. The vending machine is on the basement floor. The basement had a wall of windows and one set of security doors. Same for the main entrance, only there was one camera facing that door, but nothing else really to make me feel safe. I didn't like to go down to the basement much because the back of the building faced an acre of dark woods. There was a walking path to the woods. But for some reason, they didn't install lights for the walking path. Not really sure why that was, but it didn't help for the creepy factor. Sometimes I would see animals run past, but other times, it felt like someone was watching me. I always tried my best to make it fast when I was getting a soda or a snack, but sometimes it didn't feel fast enough. So one night, I was making my way down to the basement of the building to get a soda. It was a slow dragging night and I needed a little bit of caffeine for a pick-me-up. I counted my money as I walked to make sure I had enough. That way I would get in and get out quick. But out of the corner of my eye, I saw something dart from the glass door back into the darkness. I stopped dead in my tracks and tried to scan the forest. But like I said, it was just total blackness. I felt a bit of unease, and everything told me to turn on my heels and go back to my desk. But it was 9 p.m. and I had a fair bit of time left on my shift before I could blow this pop stand. I tried shaking the feeling off and briskly walked over to the soda machines and made my selection. The soda dropped and as I bent over to get it, I heard a loud ping noise. It was as if someone had hit the glass with something. I stood straight up and I felt the hair on my back and neck stand up. I slowly turned around and was completely scared that I would see someone out there. But as I made my full turn, I saw once again nothing but darkness. I thought this was a good time to book it back up to the main floor. I didn't even bother with the elevator, 
I went up the stairs, and I ran up them. My heart was already racing from having to go down there in the first place. Then the loud bang, now running up two flights of stairs. Once I got back to the desk, I sunk down in my chair and tried my best to calm down. It was just a noise. I was in the building with locked doors and locked inner offices. I kept saying over and over again in my head, it was nothing. I was relieved by that. But out of nowhere, I got a feeling that someone was watching me again. I peeked my head over the cubicle wall and looked around my office. Nothing seemed out of place until I turned towards the front of the building. Outside the first set of doors was a slender, tall, dirty male. He was cupping his hands around his eyes, trying to see past the reflection of the light inside. I dropped back down in my cubicle before he caught sight of me. He didn't look like anyone I had ever seen before in these offices, and it was a little past 9 p.m. There was no good reason why he was checking my office. As I sat in my chair, I heard the door shake. I slowly stood up and watched him pull the handles of the door, but they didn't budge to my relief. But as I watched him, he turns and faces me. His face looked bruised or dirty, I couldn't tell which. Once his eyes locked mine, he started banging the door harder and smacking the glass. I was so scared. It was the middle of the night. I was by myself and in the middle of the office building complex. I grabbed my headset and dialed 911. While getting an operator on the line, the guy was walking back and forth from one side of the glass door to the next. 911, what is your emergency? I need someone to come out here. There's a guy trying to break into my office building. While speaking to her, the guy disappeared from view. I tried to look in all directions, but I didn't see him. I knew that he wouldn't just walk off, not with how hard he was banging. All of a sudden, a good-sized rock came out of nowhere and smashed against the door. I screamed and went under my desk. The operator asked what happened and I explained. She asked me if the glass was broken enough to let him in. I didn't want to stand up and look, but she told me in order to know where he was, I had to crawl from under my desk and peek over my cubicle. So I crawled out from under my desk and peeked over my cubicle wall and saw a huge crack down the first part of the door. I sank back down and told her, please have the police hurry. She said they were on their way. I've read tons of stories on this subreddit. and People say that the cops couldn't get there fast enough. They aren't kidding. It felt like time is standing still and there's nothing you can do. Another smash against the door. But along with the glass breaking sounds, I could hear sirens coming towards my building. It was music to my ears. I told the operator that the police had arrived and thanked her for her support. I stood back up and looked over the cubicle wall and all I could see was blue and red lights flashing wildly. But the thing is, I couldn't see where the man was. The top part of the door was completely smashed, and the rock was lying inside the entryway. One officer came to the front door, and the others were combing the area. The first officer that came into the building was a very kind man. He was patient with me and let me explain what I saw and what happened. Soon later, my boss arrived and checked up on me and the damage. At some point my husband was called and was told that I would be escorted home by one of the officers. I took the next few days off and started looking for another job where I wasn't by myself all night. I went on to leave this job a month later and started at a credit card machine company. It was an office full of people, still a call center, but I felt safer. 
especially with the security cameras all over the building. Like I said before, this company is no longer around. It was bought by another company, and they basically liquidated all the funds. So dirty man who tried to break into my office, let's never meet again. I work the night shift at a hotel, so I've had tons of weirdos come through, but this is the most recent one. Everything started off normally. Usually once I clock in at 11pm, I can just sit at my desk and only see a few people. I'm a loner. I prefer it that way. Anyways, about 2.30 in the morning, a guy in his 30s comes down and stands right in front of me at my desk. I've worked this job for five years, so I could pick out the weirdos pretty well. I knew right away something was off about him. He didn't say anything at first, just stared at me. So I asked him, can I help you? He mumbled something, but all I could make out was the word, coffee. I tell him there's fresh coffee available in the breakfast area right behind him. So he turns and looks, and then looks back at me, confused. Do you have some coffee I can take up to my room? My first thought was, this guy is drunk as hell. And I told him that he could take a cup of the already made coffee. Or I could also give him a couple packs to take to his room. He decided on the packs. So I grabbed a couple, hoping that that's all he wanted. And I could go back to watching TV. But no such luck. He just kept standing in front of me, looking at the packets of coffee, confused like... I had enough of this drunk guy, so I walked over to the other side of the desk, just ignoring him. After a few minutes, he just wanders into the breakfast area and stares at the pot of coffee. Then he wanders over to the fruit, the cereal, yogurt, back to the coffee, just staring at everything. After a while of that, he stops looking at the food and looks at the ground, then starts muttering to himself as he's walking in circles. He's at least 6 inches taller than me, and roughly about 50 pounds heavier, and I'm the only one on shift. I start thinking about my escape options, like locking myself in the laundry room, or running to the gas station next door. I've had to do it a few times, when things have gotten really bad, so I try to plan ahead when something is giving me bad vibes. After about 15 minutes of him walking in circles, he heads down the hall, still muttering, I relax, happy that he's gone to bed, to pass out. Probably five minutes later, I glance out the front doors, and I see him right there, staring at me, smoking a cigarette, and still talking to himself. I start to think he's high on drugs, and that scares me enough to grab a pair of scissors when he's not looking, and hold them down to my side. I start thinking about calling the police, but what for? So I decide to wait, and hope he just goes to bed soon. Since it's about 3am at this point, he walks down the halls, through the lobby and outside, then comes back through the doors and loops around again. The third time he walks by, still talking. I was terrified and on the verge of saying screw it, calling the police, just to have someone else there with me. Just then, an old lady walks down to the desk and asks me if I could call her a cab. She has no idea how happy I was to see her. I make the call for her and start chatting her up which is very unusual for me, but I just want to keep her in the lobby. The weirdo comes around the corner for the fourth time, and the old woman tells him to pack his stuff. They're leaving, because he woke her up and she couldn't go back to sleep. Apparently, this old lady was the weird guy's mom, 
and I felt so much better knowing that he was going to leave as soon as the cab got there. As soon as she told him to pack his stuff, he gets angry. He didn't want to leave. He told her to go back to bed, but she was very adamant. And after they argued for a bit, he makes his way upstairs to pack. She explained to me that she could tell he was getting agitated, and it was time to take him home. I talked to her for a while, and she started to open up to me, and told me her son is schizophrenic, and she is the only one that will take care of him. She told me she just wished someone would take him for about six months, like a hospital, to get him on meds and into a good routine. I felt so awful for her. She seemed tired and hopeless. I have mental issues myself, so I could relate to the struggle. All of a sudden, the weird guy comes running out, demanding to stay, and they argue again. Except this time, he sees me watching and focuses on me, storming up to my desk and screaming, She's gonna call the cops. I didn't do anything. Are you gonna clean my kitchen? Why aren't you sucking my dick yet? And other horrible things while I just stood there, stunned. I held up scissors to defend myself, and his mom screamed, Stop! Do you hear what you're saying to her? The cab pulled up, and as much as I felt for his mom, I was happy to see them pull away. Creepy schizo guy. Let's not meet again. This is just an account of my true experiences. First of all, I like to say I'm generally pretty skeptical of the paranormal and hauntings. I do believe that demons can possess and cause havoc, but when it comes to ghosts and spirits, that's a different story. Be that as it may, there are things that have happened to me that might be called paranormal. There's two different instances. The first is during my time as a night security guard, and the second is a series of dreams. There's no big scary monster at the end or anything like that. When I was working as a security guard, I would often be the overnight guard probably because I was a young guy and could easily handle the sudden shifts in day or night. Being an overnight guard meant to patrol the property, which included seven buildings, one of which was an old manor-like house that belonged to a prominent family in our city. This house was spooky enough as it is, but every once in a while during patrol, the lamp in the front window would be on and I would have to enter the house to turn it off. I just wrote off as someone leaving it on after one of the tours, but even during the day, the house had an unsettling feeling, as if something was watching you. Other times, the alarm of the house would be tripped, and I would have to go to investigate. Every time this happened, I wouldn't find anything inside, and all the entryways were closed and locked. Again, I chalked it up to something reasonable, a faulty sensor, or a gust of wind hitting the window, just enough to move the sensor. The main gallery was where I was stationed when I wasn't on patrol. The building had a main lobby where guests came in to buy tickets and the gift shop and then the gallery itself. The gallery was a descending spiral that went down below the lobby and had multiple levels. I would sit in the lobby and use the big television they had play on loop of upcoming events and gallery previews to watch Batman Beyond or Dexter in between patrols. In hindsight, it was probably a bad decision to watch Dexter because there was a big open window to the street outside and not everything in the show is exactly savory for work. One day I re-entered the lobby from patrol. The show which had been on pause was already playing. I immediately checked the doors to make sure they were indeed locked. The only one that wasn't was the one I had just unlocked to let myself in. 
I locked it and then paused the show. I looked around but saw nothing. However, I heard a noise coming from the main gallery. I went to the door and checked it. It too was locked, and this is the only door to the gallery. So I decided to unlock it and step inside. It was pitch black down the descending ramp and saw a dull but steady light glowing from one of the corridors at the bottom. Now, the particular exhibit that was being featured in the gallery at the time was a rock and roll exhibit. There were pictures of the rock stars in front of the huge crowds in the studio, some blown up versions of album covers, and there were a few TVs that played music on a loop to show off the artistic nature of the music videos. As I made my way down the ramp, I began to hear that the light was coming from one of those TVs and the video was playing. So as I reached the bottom, I shut off the TV and found myself in the pitch darkness of the gallery. The air was cold and I had that uneasy feeling that I'd get in the other building. I quickly ascended the ramp and out of the gallery. As I exited the gallery and was locking it back up, from the front door of the lobby came a loud noise as if someone had slammed the door. But that wasn't possible because the doors have those pressurized arms to prevent slamming or any kind of fast closing in general. When I looked over to it, there was no one there. And I would have seen them because as I mentioned, there's a big open window and I would have been able to see them easily. Now I was getting unsettled. I shook it off and decided to go back to my show. I rewound the bit that had been playing while I was on patrol and continued to watch. A while later, as I was getting up to patrol again, there suddenly came a loud crash from the gift shop. I shot upright and looked over to it. I took my flashlight and shined it through the security gate to look inside. There was nothing that I could see. But there came another crash, as if an entire shelf of merchandise was knocked over. But there was nothing on the floor. After that, I decided I was going to sit in the guard room for the rest of the night. Forget the patrol. The next day I talked to my boss and went to apologize for the mess in the gift shop and that I would have cleaned it up if I had the code to the security gate. My boss just looked at me confused and said there was nothing knocked over or out of place. That sentence sent a shiver down my spine. So this actually happened to me just last night. I'm still pretty shaken up by the experience and promptly quit this shitty part-time job right after. I work in a retail store in a not-so-nice part of the town. Since the area isn't the best, not many people come over to the store and even less people come at night. Something important to note is that the store doesn't have any cameras nor do they have a panic button. So basically, anyone could do anything and we have had many people steal little things here and there. Looking back, this should have been my first clue to quit as soon as possible. That night, the night shift consisted of me and my co-worker, both small women. We were joking around and playing on our phones because it was 7.30 at this point and no one had came in for about a half hour. Suddenly a group of people, two men and a woman, come in all at once. A side note about these people, they were all wearing black head to toe, facial tattoos, and were very confrontational upon arrival. The woman was a very husky woman, and I was honestly very intimidated by her. Her friends were at least six foot each, both towering over me and my coworker, who were about 5'3". 
One of the men immediately asked what our ages are and complimented me on my smile. I'm kind of awkwardly laughing and trying to be as kind as possible to get these people to leave fast. The woman basically corners my coworker over in one of the aisles, so she's unable to walk over to where I am, which is right behind the counter. The woman is basically yelling at my coworker, asking her, why don't you hire me? I need work, hire me, pretty much scaring the both of us. While this is going on, one of the men walks over and blocks the door. The other man comes up to the counter and looks at all the $100 to $300 items we have stocked behind the counter and jokes to his friend how he needs all of these items. He then turns to me and says with a deadpan face, Give me everything. I awkwardly laugh and say, Everything? He then says nothing and continues to stare right into my face for five more seconds before repeating, Everything. So I do just that. I start to take things off the shelves. While he points at things and keeps saying, Give me that, that, that. He then stops and says, You never asked me how I was going to pay for any of this. The entire time, his friend was saying nothing and standing still while staring at me. The man breaks his stare and laughs and states that they're going to come right back. As soon as they leave, I make a beeline for the door and lock it. I call my manager and tell her what happened and I'm begging her to let us close because I don't want those people to come back. As if on cue, they come back and yank on the door, which is now locked, and continue to yank on it. I tell my coworker to run with me to the back, and we lock the back door. By the time the police arrived, they were gone, and there was nothing that they could do because of the lack of cameras in the store. The police stayed outside of the store in their cars until we closed, and walked us to our cars. Throughout this whole ordeal, no one was in the store besides my coworker and I. My theory was that they were scoping out the situation before leaving and coming back with a firearm and actually carrying out the robbery. Luckily, I locked the door at that moment they stepped out. I don't like to think what could have happened if I brushed it off and decided to leave the store open. But I was shaking like a leaf when they left, and they hadn't really done anything at all, so I just trusted my gut feeling. So anyway... Let's not meet again. I quit that shitty job. Thank you for being a catalyst to push me to finally leave.